Everybody was kung fu fighting. <laughs> they were quick as lightning. <laughs> it was a little bit frightening. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because we were kung fu fighting. <laughs> that was our guest for today, Carlito. How's it going, Manny? How's it going, buddy? We have two special guests today, and we are going to be talking about four letters. That's HVAC. Right. What? Everyone look at me like it was a test or something, man. <laughs> no one can see us looking at you. <laughs> We're going to be talking about HVAC with Tyler from Stott HVAC and Andrew from Stott HVAC. Let's begin by you guys introducing yourselves and get a lot of information about your beginnings. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having us on the show. I know it's been uh, a little while us trying to line this date up. Hang on a sec. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just having a Coke right now. <laughs> and I think you need to explain the whole point we did that song, considering you hashtag the HVAC ninjas on your site. Though. We will get yeah, into right. the HVAC ninjas, which I will not take any credit for. That was completely Barry Hopkins. That's right. Uh -huh. He's the one that first came up with it because when your crew came in, Andrew and the boys came in, they were all Asian of some descent and they were all dressed in black. So then he actually pieced it together and he's just like, they're kind of like HVAC ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> so it just stuck and you guys have been called the HVAC ninjas for a while now and I love it. I want to get way back when we first met. You and me, Tyler, like way, wait, like six, seven years ago. At least. Right. When you were, you were doing sales there at the time, right? Yeah, I was just doing sales. And I think we met on that project in Woodbridge. In Woodbridge, yeah. yeah that's how I first met you yeah. guys, right? So you guys came in. And it was funny that he was one of three HVAC companies that I called out to come out and to do this work on a 1,600-square-foot basement, relocate. It was like a home theater, kitchenette, bedroom, open area, bathroom. Uh, and then there was a lot of rerouting going on. There was a lot of the stupid ductwork that went underneath I-beams, and That's we right. wanted to try to get I rid of that, that shit. I can't stand that. I hate that. But these guys figured out a way to do it, which was great. And uh, We're going to talk no, about that? Yes. Well, you guys, <laughs> I, I started with the beer. Uh, Tyler, you get us going talking about HVAC, man. Like, Where did you begin? How did you get into HVAC? I started off uh, in many different industries when I was younger, as much we do when we're in our 20s, trying to figure ourselves out and which That's way right. to go. I was always sort of in sales. I ended up in uh, HVAC because I was actually working for a water company and I broke my arm. So that sort of took that out of the equation. And How'd you uh, break your arm? On, on the job site? No, playing hockey. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> and my uncle was working for an HVAC company at the time, so he took me under his wing to sort of teach me the sales and it started off as a job and then... A few years later, I decided to make it a career. How um, old were you at this time? 24. Okay. So started doing some sales, selling furnaces, AC, so on and so forth. Went back to school and got my design tickets and heat loss, heat gain, and forced air design, hydronics, so on and so forth. Yeah, and, I want to get into all that, man. Like, that's all serious stuff that we got to talk about because that's really critical. A lot of homeowners, a lot of trades don't even know anything about that stuff, right? So... No, yeah. I, I like how you're starting already. You had an injury, then you had to figure out another way to make money. The truth is, you got to do it while you're young, right? Well, yeah, you got to kind of find going. yourself and make a, a name for yourself, right? Sorry, I was interrupting there. Go no, ahead. no, that's all right. No problem. That happens all the time. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one thing led to another, and uh, I was doing sales for, for another company. I saw the market sort of changing in 2009 when the crash happened in, in the States, and a lot of uh, companies came out and was doing a lot of re and re jobs or just swapping out furnaces, ACs, that sort of thing. What do you mean they're and changing? And that's when you and I sort of met when I 
Yeah, it was around that time. Yeah, there was a lot of competition, really, really slim margins at that time. I thought, you know, I got to sort of change this path now because this is a saturated market. And that's where I met you and a lot of other good GCs and we got custom talking. builders in the city. And that's sort of when I got more into the custom world. And then that's where Andrew stepped in. Got it. And when, okay, so Andrew, you're a little younger than us, eh? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get your beginning? I've always been hand on, <clears throat> hands-on when I was young. I've actually followed my dad's footsteps. He's in HVAC? He used to be in HVAC. He passed away. Oh, okay. Um, I followed his footsteps. I went to school, worked with him for a little bit, and decided to you know, gain more experience elsewhere. Ever since I've been in the industry, you know, learning everything. Everything, everything is different. Like, I love HVAC. How much different was it from the time that your dad was doing it compared to the time that you got into it? Has HVAC really changed that dramatic? Yes. A lot? Yeah, a lot. In what way? We don't always just do air conditioning furnaces anymore. It's all about hydronics, custom homes. HVAC is bigger than those yeah, four Yeah, but letters. sure, it was, it was probably rads back then also. And but so when did yeah. you guys meet? Like, when did you guys first meet? We met, well, it would have been 13, 14 years ago. Because we that both started wow. at yeah. our previous employer together. We got talking near the, the end of our, we spent 10 years there together. And when it got kind of towards the end, it's like, all right, I'm driving in all the business. You're doing all the work. The only thing we're not doing here is bankrolling our own jobs. And that's when so you guys had... said, you know what, let's <laughs> let's roll the dice and mortgage our houses and and give this a go. I won't sugarcoat it. You guys are doing well. And how long has it been now since Stott HVAC has started? It'll be three years, three, three years yeah. next month. Three years. So is the idea you guys are going to buy a new Sprinter van, a new crew every single year? Because that's the track oh, that it's going this is, this now. This has to be the Sprinter that's van thing, right? Uh, I'm sorry, but how many Sprinter vans do you guys have now? Right now, three. Three. You have a black one, a silver one. What's the latest one? And black. Another black one. Oh, you went black, eh? Yeah. So basically, you got an Oreo cookie there. Is that what's going on here? <laughs> that's what you got With going on. With a silver lining. <laughs> uh, I got nothing against the, the, the Sprinter vans. You know that, right? You mm -hmm. you. Uh, Ventura, what are, you, what are you driving there? Ventura <laughs> Express <laughs> four by four. Chevrolet Express. Okay, so you guys actually were talking to each other, and you're thinking, let's start our own company now. Because I'm always fascinated about how daunting that is, man. How pretty intimidating, no? Yeah, it was. I was contemplating doing it for like five years, and it took me a long time to finally take the leap. But I yeah. like what you did is that you had Andrew, who's on the tools mm -hmm. in the field, and you got you, who's the sales. So it's kind of like you guys both needed Sonny and Cher. You know what I mean? Like, this is fucking perfect, right? No, it is. It really well, yeah. is. Yep. And you guys worked it together. Yeah. And then was the next problem finding the crews, finding the guys? The next problem was staff. And, and then who the took reins on training the guys well that's, that's my part that's all Andrew. that's yeah. you yeah yeah because i know when you guys when andrew when you came in first and you started doing the first job under stott the crew was tight it was a well like not a lot of personality because you guys wanted to just get the job done but we were trying to joke around a little bit and i think the hvac ninja kind of was a nice little you know like uh, you know let's let's break the ice here yeah, kind yeah. of thing which was kind of good but the guys are down to earth and solid but they worked really well that's what i noticed first off and that was the first crew and who's on that crew that was jr <laughs> and uh and benny Jared Ben, yep. Oh, yes, yeah. right. and they're still here. And now those two are each running their own crews now. Wow. Holy cow. So it sounds like there's a lot of advancement, eh? Room for room in here. Well, that's the idea, right? Andrew trains them and works under. And Are you finding a hard time finding guys? It's definitely a challenge. Like, what are people missing that you're interviewing or trying out? 
No, hang on a sec. You want to get into the millennial conversation? Not or? yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not because Andrew, you're a millennial, no? Yeah. Are you a elder millennial? How young are you? Eighty-seven. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I was watching Lethal Weapon <laughs> in '87, man. <laughs> Holy! I was two years away from finishing and high school in '87, man. No, I was not thirty. All right. So, so what? What were you guys looking for in your crew when a guy came in to do HVAC? What was the number one thing that the guys had to have? Dedication, hardworking, willing to learn, listen. There's no job big or small. You know, everyone's got to do it. Attitude. Yes. Yeah. We like the can-do attitude. Were you guys plucking guys from the HVAC world, or were you guys just plucking guys from the construction world? We try to find someone out of school. School. Yeah. yeah. So you guys wanted sponges. Yeah, people. more or less. We try to get somebody with a, a year or less experience coming out of school that's licensed with G two or G three and wants to give it a go, and then we. Train I guess them. that's we a good idea. From there. If they're out for a year, they've kind of. You know, they've already gone to school, they got the theory, and then they get on the tools and it becomes practical. And then they figure out, is this actually what I want to do? A year goes by, they already know they want to do it. Exactly. And then they don't have the bad habits. Not always. No, they got bad habits. (laughs) And that's how JR and Benny were? Yep. It's almost like a band, eh? JR, Benny, and Andrew. (laughs) Benny and the Jets. No, no more songs. We did the song already. All right, so that was the first. And okay, so Tyler, how hard was it to get the sales? Was it easy to get the sales or was it hard to get the sales? Like you guys were a new HVAC company in the business now. Yeah, it was a little tough. That first year was was hard. You know, some contacts and so on I had uh, developed over the years. But uh, yeah, that first year I was hitting the pavement, trying to drive in the business. And then uh, the workmanship sort of spoke for itself. After that, it's grown very organically. Yeah, once you guys People, showed up on site and you guys left the mark, everyone remembered. That yeah. was the idea. Were you focusing on two groups of people to go after, like other GCs and also homeowners? No, it was mostly GCs and GCs. builders. We, we sort of focused in on that niche. Okay. The only time we uh, work directly for homeowners is if it's like a referral or family friend that needs a replacement unit done. You guys don't want to touch homeowners? Not that we don't want to. It's just, it's again, that's a very competitive market. We've sort of found our niche that works and our formula that has been working. And there's a lot of building going on in the city. Not a lot of uh, HVAC companies that can handle sort of the custom stuff. So or they don't want to. Or they don't want to or they're not set up for it. And You guys so. like that stuff. Oh, yeah. You guys like coming in and figuring out problem solving. That's the best part of this, you know, yeah. of this trade. And, really? every, and every job is a little bit different. Nothing's the same. Every uh, custom home is different. I hate getting phone calls in the middle of the day. And it's someone trying to sell me how to clean my duck lines. <laughs> do we really have to clean our ducks? Uh, depends the on, ones how, in the depends on how dirty no, your house is. But I do have a question. A lot of the new builders and new developers now, I'm seeing this, they're not running rigid lines anymore. They're running corrugated plastic lines. How do you clean them now? Wait a minute. What the fuck are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've, I've gone into some new construction. Uh, and, high velocity. Yes, right. That's what I was just going to lead to. Okay. And how do you clean that? And why would you want corrugated lines? I don't think you can. I've talked to some duck cleaners and they can't get in there and clean them properly. Nope. You you can clean the return airs because it's still sheet metal and and so on, but you can't clean high velocity two inch runs. So why are they using it then? No bulkheads. No bulkheads. Smaller loads for the houses. You're looking at tiny, you know, stacked 
townhomes. Yeah, these are like townhouses or small condo builders. Yeah. Yeah. So high velocity is small duct work, small duct runs. You don't lose bulkheads or ceiling space. And they're going that route because you can also put in very small pieces of equipment to heat and cool that space where your traditional forced air sort of has a minimum. I got to ask you guys. Why are you guys Milwaukee, man? Is Whoa. the third van Are these Milwaukee? guys Milwaukee? Oh, they're, they're like red, 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 well, red. Red and Th- black. That <laughs> would make sense because it's partly plumbing also, right? Like if you're doing HVAC, you're doing plumbing, you do water tanks. I mean, you must be doing all kinds of stuff like rads and everything else, right? Exactly. So for us, Milwaukee, they have tools for everything that we do. Yeah. From plumbing to sheet metal to what you name it, they got it. Our whole I won't even disagree. All my plumbing <laughs> tools are Milwaukee. <laughs> I know. Most plumbers in HVAC are Milwaukee guys. I know that for a fact, yeah. man. But then they'll ask me for my Bosch tools if they need to break some concrete. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say. But so the third van is all set up with Milwaukee now too as well. Exactly. That's yeah. what you guys are like incredibly organized, man. So it's yep. like each van. So the idea was that you guys set up each van so then each crew can go in there and it's if a new guy or if it's a, a year-end guy or whatever, they know where everything's at. Every truck's different. Oh, every truck's different. I didn't realize that. Different service? No, I mean in terms of organization. Why is that? Why are you making them different? Because we let our crews design what they want. Every crew has their own ways of organizing things. It's brilliant. We leave it up to them. So yeah. it goes up back to their personality, I guess, yeah, exactly. JR and Benny. I thought it was like three different trucks, three different crews doing no. three different things. Like one no. would be a rad, one would be like uh, water and demand, or you know, one would be HVAC. Like, we that's all what do I was the assuming. same thing. Just same thing. Whatever you want, it's set up to be. Nice. Yeah. That sounds like a scheduling nightmare if one crew's doing <laughs> one thing. Yeah. I got one crew no, overloaded doing one works. thing, one crew's not doing anything. Yeah, like with our recent truck for uh, for JR, who's taking the, the new one. Here you go. Here's really? Your bo- I, Here. thought, I thought Andrew would take the new one. Wouldn't no, it just Andrew get- didn't want it. He likes his truck. and uh, You don't like so- the new look one? Oh, I love it. I didn't want to go through that again. I set up yeah. the first two trucks. So you don't want to set it up? No. Yeah, so this one was, uh, and JR has been with us since day one. He came on as our first helper, making minimum wage because we didn't have any money to pay him. And he's been with us there since the start. So we said, all right, you're running your own crew now. You get the new truck. Set it up the way you want. All brand new tools. Now get back to work. (laughs) (laughs) So the first year out, you guys are out. You guys spend a lot of money setting up a brand, sending up the image, setting up everything. Go on your leads. You start pounding the pavement. You're getting the first jobs. You get a crew of three guys. Three guys going in, and all of a sudden it starts to grow. And now, how many employees you have? Three years later, how many employees you got going on now? Nine plus you? No, going to be seven in the field next month, employees, mm-hmm. and then myself and two more in the office. So we'd be 10 employees, and then we have a couple of really close-knit sub-crews that we work with from time to time, too. If you need when it. When there's a little extra overflow, or maybe they're looking for work, then they sort of specialize in things. So I try to keep them busy, or we try to keep them busy when we can. And you guys have, is it one or two women on the crew? One. One. Well, that's pretty cool. That's very cool. What's that, what's that like? It's good. I never heard a girl in HVAC, so I'm interested. I know. It definitely is very rare. She's definitely a hard worker. Where does she come from? As in? Not like <laughs> biologically. <laughs> I'm just saying. Did she study HVAC and go that whole route? Yeah. Oh, she she's, did, huh? She's fully licensed. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, she went, she went yeah. to school. Gas fitters license, everything? Fully licensed. Wow, that's wicked. I get that her kid's... Say HVAC means something else. What is it again? I don't know. Ask Andrew that <laughs> one. What is it again? HVAC. What the kids said that it stands for something else. How's vacuuming and cleaning? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't say I like her that. kid said it, man. So no, I thought that was funny when I heard it. No, but she knows her stuff, man. Oh, definitely. Which is really, really cool, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, I like that you guys are, and you, I'm, I'm sure that if you can find more women to hire, you guys would hire them, right? Absolutely. Yep. They're very organized compared to us. Yeah, she's organized. Definitely. You just see the back of her truck and all the Milwaukee tools she has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Works hard, never calls in sick. She's there every day. Wow. And she gives the boys a run for their money. Good. Absolutely. So what's the ideal system for a typical traditional home? What are you selling and why are you selling it? No, you know what? Even take us a little further to the back mm. of that. I Go from the time that you actually get the call or you quote a job. Like run us through, I'm the GC and I call you up and you come and quote the job. What's your process? What, what does it normally work? Well, I guess it would start with me at that stage and I would ask you as the GC, okay, so do you have a set of plans? Are you just still at the beginning stages where you're playing around with your different ideas and your budgets and so on? And I sort of feel out the process. A lot of times GCs already have a set of mechanical plans ready, we ready to them go. To city, right? They're so. ready to go. They send me the plans. I'll give them sort of a rough budget sight unseen. And then at that point, if I'm within the budget, then we usually meet on site and start going through things a little more thoroughly and I'll fine tune the price. And Do you fine tune the drawings, you know, red line areas that you don't like and you want to change or, you know, maybe offer something different or better? Well, that always happens, but usually starting with you guys at GCs, it's like, well, this run can't go here because there's a piece of furniture going here yeah. or... So there, there, there's or... been a change. We got mill work in this part, so this can't go there. And then we have to sort of improvise as we go. And then from there, we go what? You got to deal with the homeowners. It depends. It depends on uh, the GC. Because right? you guys so, are the first one on site, right? Trade-wise? Yeah, most likely. Well, yeah, we, get... we come in after framing. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, right after framing, you guys come first because you guys make the biggest holes. That's in the plumber. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> That's all. You guys yeah. make the biggest holes depending on the runs, right? Like I remember you and I, we, we did uh, eight-inch holes through TGIs, right? We were going through under the garage. Oh, that's right. Right? So, yeah. And we knew that we were allowed to do that because we looked at the specs and we actually all scratched our head and looked at the specs on the TGI and we were told, yes, we can make in a 11 and 7 eighths TGI, we can make an 8-inch hole smack in the middle of the run because it was a 22-foot long uh, span, but we were allowed to make an 8-inch hole in the middle. Beautiful. To avoid a bulkhead, which is really great. I love it. That's what I love about it. Typically, always bring HVAC before any other trade. Yeah. After framing. They make the biggest holes. That's why. Yeah. The, they dictate where... That, that's how you guys would want it, right? That or at the same time as the plumber. Because yeah. it's yeah. nice to get on the same page as the yeah. plumber and where they're he's running run their his stacks street. Yeah, He's got to run so his stacks, right? So, so we got to work together. The amount of jobs we run in duct work and the plumber comes afterwards and removes it because he puts his, his stack or whatnot in the way. <laughs> and <laughs> it right happens. That's it? never happened. What are you I've talking about? I've seen water lines that's, through them all the time. That's never happened. Or through our return air and whatnot. No. So <laughs> really? Again, yeah, I see it all the time. We always say in the beginning, get us on the same page as the plumber let's have a meeting let's have a walkthrough but that doesn't always happen well it should not though. always but it should it's funny you say that because how many times i've opened up floors and bathrooms and i see lines right through and i'm like fuck i gotta fix that too <laughs> <laughs> so you guys come in you guys do all the rough take care of all that stuff it gets inspected and then you guys don't return until the finishing or no it's, you it's, start setting up the the, whole, the furnace and everything equipment equipment yeah well equipment hang on room. i want to stop for a second because one of the biggest problems i always see with hvac is the main structural framing is complete in between you and the plumbers coming in framing has to continue like bulkheads and and other things i always see this mistake over and over again nobody knows how far to stay away from duck lines they don't realize that 
these trunks actually expand up to almost three quarters of an inch. So people are touching their framing to your, your trunks, drywall to your trunks, and then you get that reverberation through the whole house, right? One inch clearance oh, all yeah. the way around. That's One right. inch clearance? One inch. Oh, wow. And a lot of guys don't know that. Or they take insulation and they stick it in there and they think it's going to prevent it. <laughs> it just wiggles his way out. No, I just want to talk about some problems because I think every, all the listeners need to, to know that if they're framing, they should stay one inch away. Yeah, absolutely. What else? We got to do the machine, mm. the, ma the mechanical room. No. Yeah. That's usually the next stage. We're trying to so walk yeah, through the process. Manny's stage one, favorite I saw the room. Job. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my that favorite is, rooms. Come on. You're always in the, in <laughs> It's one of my room. favorite rooms, man. <laughs> I don't care what the kitchen looks like at that point. You got to care about the system, right? No, isn't exactly. that true? It's the heart. It's the heart of the house it is so without a heart you don't have a house well they say 70 percent of the costs of a home or the basement right usually typically that's where the plumbing is the hvac you know the whole system right wait did you just say 70 percent of the home's cost is 70 percent of the oh that's where all the the main things go the the concrete flooring the footings the oh, structural the, yeah. the trunks the hvac units the water tanks lot water and demand that's another thing what do you guys think of water and demand? We you jump into that. That's a whole other conversation. But sure, we jump <laughs> yeah. right into that one. Why um, you guys own? Well, I want to get into radiant versus forced air, yeah. and and you you know where I stand on that. I I don't like forced air. I think forced air sucks. You know what? I I like radiant myself. I don't mind rads by the windows or you radiant like floor heating. I prefer in floor. So you guys yeah. prefer? Yeah. yeah. I mean, rads I don't like either. Rads are nice if it's an older home. You're gonna keep it that way. Leave yeah. it that way. That's great. But then you have the option of putting radiant, right? Right. But then we talked about this, Tyler, where the best system was to have a small forced air system for your AC and for air circulation, but then do radiant, right? Do floor. Yeah, it's a hybrid of both. Now, That's what a how, lot of the homes we can involve. How much there. more expensive is it to do that versus just doing forced air with an AC? Double. It's double the price. Yeah. Typically, a 3,000 square foot house, you might be looking at about 40K. 40K turns into 80K. Rough. I'm yeah, just roughly. Yeah, roughly, depending on the equipment specs and yeah. How so how do you convince job? clients to go that route? Because I just try to sell them on the health benefits of that. Because I'm just I, I like pulling the strings where your kids will not have nosebleeds. There won't be dry. Okay, why is that? The air, the moisture in the air. You guys, you guys talk about this. I'm not HVAC. I'm not certified. Why is radiant better than forced air? Because it holds the temperature. It always maintains a constant temperature the air quality is different right than a forced air system you all well, you definitely don't feel the air at all what does it well, feel no, like it's 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 radiant. it's, radiant. it's uh it's warming it's you through moving. your feet up yeah well the only air that's moving is whatever air circulation you may have in the home but so the hrvs the hrv because we buy cold we still have that ventilation in the house but do you guys there's like naturally HRV? there's definitely need one no 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 that's not the <laughs> yeah, question <but> andrew <laughs> No, the but even, even if you have forced air, you can still do things like add humidifiers to them and, and so on, right? Yep. I mean, that's the whole purpose of it. So you can still keep your... I know, but do you want to put in a humidifier in there and then having to service the humidifier every single season? Because how many times have you turned yours? I haven't. I don't have it. I, I have... So you got radiant. It, so in my home, I have rads. And then we have a unit on the top floor. And it basically, we push the cold air down towards the main floor. And we raise the rads are on, in and out on both of our rads. So we can control in each room the temperature we want, as much water as we want to come in. Is there in, an right? easy fix for that, guys? He's got an old, old, old house. 140 years old home. With so. old, old, old rads in it that he has to control individually. 
Is there a way to fix that? That's well, not... we have valves. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to fix it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, they got valves. You can yeah. control. But the you got we have valves. See? Two of them. Yeah. One going in, one going out, and I can control how much heat I want in each room. So if I feel that I want to take heat away from a room, I can just turn that water down in mm -hmm. that room, and it will cool that room down. That's how I play with it, right? There's zoning each room, basically. But you got to do that for every single red. Which brings up zoning. <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep rolling to that. I'd like to go back to the, the radiant versus force. I want to know I think, more. What's the argument? I think a, a hybrid of both is the way to go. Because radiant heat from the floor is definitely the most comfortable. It heats you through your feet, which then keeps through your, your body bones, warm. Yeah. So you can actually keep the temperature lower because your body feels warm, which then saves energy costs and so on. How much lower but can then, you keep it? Like a few degrees or like... Yeah, a couple of degrees. And it What's, would be okay, equivalent so to... What temperature should people have their homes at? Wherever they're comfortable. Normal people. Dum, Fahrenheit, dum, dum. somewhere between now 70 to 72, 74. Okay, all right. Yeah. That's, that's what... I assume between 67 and 70. That's typically... 67 is a little cold, that's man. A little, cool. well, unless you're sleeping. <laughs> that's if you like sleep, cold that's, that's cold nighttime thing. temperature, yeah, nighttime. man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you still need forced air because you still got to humidify the air. We have to do HRVs or ERVs now in home. So we still have to bring in fresh air into the house and remove Evar stale what, air. E e what? An energy recovery ventilator versus a heat recovery ventilator. It's just two different things. Generally, in our climate, we use heat recovery ventilators. In the south, they use energy recovery ventilators. Wait a minute, what's, what's an energy recovery ventilator? It's more designed for humid temperature or humid climates, so it removes moisture. What's it Beautiful. look like? I love it. It looks exactly the same. It's just a different core. So it's, inside you got to park two of these units now? HRV? No, they're actually, they've actually finally decided to make a unit with an interchangeable core. So now you take a core out and put one in for the wintertime, and then you oh, put the other one in. It's brilliant. In I love it. And you just change the cores. You tell the clients to do this, or you tell the clients to hire you guys to do this? No, we like to get hired to do it. Okay, that makes yeah. a lot so more sense. What, what is Service. A, what is the cost? <laughs> Service. And, and how, like, what is the cost? And We do custom maintenance plans for all of our, our clients, so I'll set them up with a spring and fall sort of startup. So it depends on how much equipment they have in the, ha in the house, if it's, they have boilers, air handlers, snow melt systems, so on and so forth. Man, it all depends on how much uh, equipment's in the house. And I got a question for you guys. Building code-wise, does the HRV in Ontario... Do, 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 <laughs> does the HRV in Ontario have to be pumped through the forced air system? Is it... No. That's no. not cold, right? No. We were having this conversation, remember, with Hans? That's right. And we were trying to figure out... I think it was you. I'm going to point at you because Hans and I were on the same page saying that you don't have to feed it through the heat. Or was it him no, saying... No, no, no. I said you don't have to. But he said you have to. Yes. I'm not going to say he's wrong. It is code to have ventilation in every room of the house. But does that unit have to go through the forced air system? Nope. No. It, if it does not, it has to have, depending on the low or the, depending on the HRV energy efficiency of it, it may require one or two kilowatt heater to preheat the air coming into the house from outside. That's what it was. So I it has to be that. preheated. Yes, it has to be preheated then. Otherwise, you're dumping really cold air into the house. Got it. And on, on, while we're on the topic of that whole area, I wanted to talk about basically rigid forced air. Some people want to keep their system on on. And some people want to keep it on auto. And if it drops three degrees, so like some people keep it on auto and it shuts down and then the lines stay cold and then you can't heat them up as fast, right? Where if you just leave the fan on, on all the time, there's a constant temperature throughout the line, right? So what's better? Should you keep better? it on auto or should you keep it on on? 
the fan. You're just, you're just talking about the fan, fan on. on. Yeah. Fan on. I always like to do that. Or like with Ecobee, you can set it for a certain amount of minutes per hour that the fan operates. And that way you're always keeping air movement, especially if air filtration in the home and or an HRV. temperature in the lines. You're keeping the lines a little bit more comfortable, especially if they're going through an unconditioned space or if it's a long way away from the furnace. Love it. You just then, answered a big problem. Then you keep the air moving. And even if it's just room temperature, it's not allowing that pipe to cool down as much. So that's one of the big questions I always get from people. They always say, should I keep it on on or auto? You just answered it. Just keep it on on. Yeah. I it makes that, sense. I think it's, it's a good idea. I it makes sense on. to me too. I agree. Yeah. yeah. It balances I'm not every room too. So. Okay. So can we go back to forced air versus radiant? <laughs> 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 What's, it comes down to budget. Is it really budget? But Absolutely. okay, our, our homes are so tight today, right? So you guys do new homes, you do retro homes, you do old homes, you do all kinds of homes. But all the new homes and the new building code, the homes are so airtight that people live in these and i find that if you're constantly using forced air you're gonna have more health problems maybe not health problems just like comfort problems well i find a traditional gas furnace to dry out the house a little bit more than i gotta run i gotta run a humidifier in the winter time well for sure otherwise i wake up and i gotta blow my nose and i got you know lots of stuff right well, I think every house should be humidified. But yeah. then if you had a radiant system boiler, you wouldn't really have that, right? Well, you still do. You Would still you still need, have it? You, you still, still need a humidifier. Yeah, right? my, you still have to introduce humidity. Yeah, my wife puts one on no matter what. And I remember my grandparents, they had uh, radiant also. They would always put a glass of water in each room, <laughs> the old school style. Yeah. They'd always say, keep it there. It's going to prevent nosebleeds and so it's on. It's going to evaporate. Or there used to be like these trays that would sit on old cast iron rads and you'd fill them up with water and then the water <laughs> would just naturally water? evaporate. That would work? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so all you're trying school. to do that is work. put some moisture, moisture into in the, the air. air. That's yeah. all you're trying to do. But even more important, we, we kind of went into HRV and back, but a lot of people don't realize that that air movement is so important to have not stagnant air, uh, not create mold in rooms, humidity and moisture in corners. Those are really important things too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Air movement's still important. You we want to hear it from you guys, man. We, we're not the HVAC specialists. Well, that's why I was going back to a hybrid of both systems is the way to go with radiant in the floor, but then also putting in a small duct system so we can still humidify. We can still do ventilation. You can still air condition. A lot of people want to go radiant, but then how are you going to cool your house in the in the summertime? And nobody that. wants to see ductlesses on the wall unless you have to. Uh, that's what I did. Right. And I don't find it an eyesore at all. I barely even know it's there. We put it in a great location. Most people do, though. And I mean, honestly, I, the, and most we people have it, do, man. I, I don't have that problem. I, I can't even hear it. My no, neighbors can't like hear it. it's like when you look at it, most people do. Yeah. They, they are really they, quiet. They I know are they're super quiet. Yeah. I know, but it's a little mini fridge on the wall. You know what I mean? It's just like you can't a, hear it. No, I'm but in the it, back. it's on the wall. It's in the way. I know, but it's so they're so nice looking these days. <sighs> but then I gotta say, on the back end, nice looking. We need more clients like our <laughs> yeah. yeah, you've got the compressor on the outside. That's the back end of it. Which yeah, is, but it's easy to service still. You just I know, but it looks like an eyesore outside, don't you think? No, you you could put it in a in a perfect location. I don't even see it. Half the time I'm I'm out there, I never see it unless my wife says, "Oh, a squirrel." And then I'm like, squirrel. <laughs> yeah, I think Carly don't need to go to the optometrist, man. He's the not wall. seeing either unit on the inside or outside. So the hybrid, but okay, how do you sell? Are more clients wanting to do the hybrid? Or as soon as they look at the numbers, they're like, no. Well, we're fortunate that a lot of the clients we're working with and builders, these clients are building their dream home. 
So they're willing to spend a little bit more on the HVAC to have that comfort because they want in-floor heating in their bathrooms, they want in their kitchen, they want in their tiled areas, That bring, but they also want to have the house air conditioned. They don't want to see the ductless on the walls. So hmm. it, it brings us back to we build a hybrid system of both. It is a little bit more money, but we're delivering comfort at every day of the year and delivering what they want. So what does that consist of when you say hybrid? In-floor radiant heat, and then you still have duct lines? And then we still have a duct system in place too. But that's not hooked up to the HRB? Yes, that would be hooked up that to would the, be. yeah. So okay. we would still dump our fresh air into the, the duct system. Because you got to run fresh air all year long. If the yeah. client wants to. Not everybody does, but... Or I thought code-wise you have to. It, it needs to be hooked up and operational, but yes. that doesn't mean you have to... Oh, you don't to, have to have it you on. You don't actually have to turn it on. That's telling someone they can... You have to have your house at 72 degrees. That's true. Yeah, yeah. you could have no, 68. You, you, you can put it wherever you want. You want to turn <laughs> no, it on? No, 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 no. It's we like, just have to install it. It's, it's illegal <laughs> to have a chandelier over a bathtub, but tell me one client who doesn't want to have a chandelier over a bathtub. I can't yeah. tell you how many I've done. But it's illegal. <laughs> illegal. I didn't even know the designer told me to do illegal. it. Illegal. <laughs> um, so are all your guys, Andrew, are they all proficient in soldering? Or you guys have gone away from soldering because you're using all the cool tools from Milwaukee there and you're using the press crimp thing, whatever. Cool yeah. tools. Press. Cool tools. Yeah, we definitely moved away from <laughs> soldering. Soldering. We went with the Pro Press. Pro Press. And we found that no leaks. Ever? Ever. Not no once. fires. Not one. If it's installed properly, it'll never leak. Yeah. But amazing. I think you guys also told me that if, if it's not installed properly, you can still press it again, right? Exactly. It's worth the money, I guess, eh? Yep. Is yeah. it expensive? Yes. It, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I run the numbers. It's, it's expensive, time. But, but it saves time. It's, it's a piece of, of time. It's a piece of mind. There's no more soldering. There's no more flux. There's no more toxic waste on your hands and your eyes on you floors. Know, what did you say about corrosion? Flux? Corrosion on copper. How mm -hmm. many times have I gone yeah. to a house and the guys have never wiped a copper and it's just corroded and it's yep. ready to bust? You know, there's no fail. That when you get to those systems, they're also the holes are larger in that system, right? The measurement on the inside is wider than it's, traditional. It, it's all just copper, it's still type L copper. Okay. You just crimp it. Either you solder or you press, it's still the same diameter. But the best part about pro press is if say you do a big job and you forget one press and you turn the water on, uh -oh. instead of draining the whole system to solder, you can just press it while it's wet. Wow. Or if you do have a leak, you don't no. have to drain the whole house down exactly. and do it again and fill it again. We I, learned we learned that on one of our first projects, and that's when we made the investment. So it's yeah. worth it. Yeah, and no more fire blankets, right? Like it's it's bulletproof and it looks sexy too, right? Definitely. Do you, yeah. do you guys use different colors or are you guys straight one color? Colors. What do you mean? On, on your what pex colors? lines and stuff like that? Like No, man, this is copper, dude. No, copper. copper. This is all copper. This is stuff you used at your place. This is all yeah. beautiful shit. Yeah, I, I know. know. I saw the it's beautiful all, it's wall. Yeah, it's a work of art, man. Yeah. That's what it is, right? It's an old school way of doing it, but new school way. That's what it is, really. Yeah. Depressed, right? It really it, is it, a work of art. It is. It's yeah. totally a work of art, man. That's the way. Why? You've seen guys, I guess other guys would do pecs? No. To, to the manifold. Well, yeah, we still do pecs yeah. to the yeah. manifold. Would they do the manifolds themselves out of pecs? No. no I've, never, I've never seen that yet either. No. No. Oh. no. Manifold has... out of pecs? Can no. you? Andrew's shaking his head. No. Okay. Can you? <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> it's a podcast. You got to speak up, man. <laughs> I, guess you, I guess you could. <laughs> it might be a little wonky, but <laughs> really? it wouldn't look the nicest. Yeah. <laughs> and then I noticed that when you guys do pipe, you generally bring in what? No, you guys aren't using. What are you guys using these days now for the flexibility? You're not doing hard pipe all through the house. You're no, using no. hard pipe. Oh. You're doing the hard pipe manifolds for the, the mechanical room, mm -hmm. but you're bringing flex lines to those manifolds. Yeah. Openar. So we use Openar. Oh, you're using Openar now? Yep. 
You guys tell them what Upanara is. Andrew, you tell them. Pretty much the best PEC system out there. So it's in a, you, expand the, you expand the pipe, and it actually closes by itself and grips onto the fittings. Beautiful. I love that system, actually. I hate the little clip systems where people are going over it two or three times. Yeah. Hey, is it safe? <laughs> feel it, feel it, feel it, feel it. Is there a little nub there? Yeah, feel it, feel it. It's good. Yeah. No. Yeah. So Upanar is working really well now? Yeah, yeah. It's not time-consuming? No, trust me. I like the Upanar. I think it's great. But you guys got to ream every fitting, right? You got to no. open the pipe every you fitting. You got to prep every single pipe. But yeah. once you prep it, it's pretty much foolproof. And I'm assuming Milwaukee's got all these reaming. Oh, yeah. Doors. For sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, is it easy repair if you have to go in and fix it? Obviously, it must Never be, Never right? had to fix one. Wow. It's a good system. It's a great system. Come back to us in 20 years, and then we'll tell you if we had to fix anything. Well, what's the warranty on it? 25 years. 25 years. As long as you're certified. And you guys are all certified? Everybody on the cruise is all certified? Yep. I noticed that on Instagram, you guys were doing a lot of class, like a lot of recertification. There was a couple of posts I saw recently where you guys were getting certified again for certain things. We try to stay up to date on all our training every year. There's always manufacturer training, whether it's a Bosch tankless or our forced air equipment or our boilers. So there's always updaters and... And so on. So we try to catch as many of those as possible. Andrew went down to actually Colorado recently on the uh, Viega Press uh, training. That's where the head, head office is? One of them. Oh, one wow. Of, one of their training facilities. Yeah. So How was that? Beautiful. Really? Yeah. Pretty impressive? Very impressive. That's a good yeah. system, too, any, as well. Any new mm-hmm. tools there? Yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How co- yeah he's the only one or nobody else is going to go down? Des went down with us. Okay. And uh, we got some more training coming up uh, in the next couple of months. Winter's a good time to train when we tend to slow down a little bit. We're between me. Come on, seasons. you guys don't slow down. Well, we're always you get steady. more busy in the winter. We're, we're always steady, but uh, well, not so much because we're in the this custom home market, so it's it's fairly steady. It doesn't. So you're not really go, you're not doing maintenance anymore. We're kind of out of maintenance season. We'll do that in October, November. Is heavy for maintenance. The same thing with sort of May, June, depending on what the weather is. And so we'll get heavy in our two seasons. But other than that, we're fairly steady. But winter's a good time to do the training. And that's when a lot of them go on because most HVAC guys are busy the rest of the year. So nice. manufacturers will put on their training. And we got we got coming up now. We're doing the working at heights. Good recertification. for you guys. Right on. Or for what is it? No, it's not called working at heights anymore. It's fall arrest. Fall arrest. Fall arrest. Fall arrest. Yeah. Wimis. Yeah, and the Wimis updater and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Why did they change it from working at heights to fall arrest? What they wanted to make it sound scarier? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> working at heights sounds safe. Fall arrest sounds because you're going to be wearing a harness, and if at least you fall, you've been wearing a harness. You're not going to. You're arrest. You could take a rest for a couple seconds. <laughs> yeah, but it's important. Actually, on one of our job sites, the roofer fell off and landed on the air conditioner and smashed. It all wow. Up. Yeah. He was okay. I thought he was going to be in some serious trouble, but the air conditioner the saved air, The air conditioner, <laughs> it was actually a ductless unit, and he he smashed See? it right down the middle. And uh, I almost thought it went in half, but yeah. Okay. So but it's important. It's important out there. That's his biggest listening. fan. <laughs> <laughs> Harnesses, you got to be safe if you're uh, you're going up on a ladder, you're on a roof, any sort of height. And you just can't wear a harness and not be attached. Well, exactly. That doesn't <laughs> I see guys with harnesses, but they're never attached. Yeah. <laughs> so I got a couple more questions. Uh, people always ask me, when should you change your filter? What kind of filters you should use for your forced air? I've heard some bickering back and forth that the thicker, more dense filters, they are too efficient and they shut down the system faster and it's better to use thinner more breathable filters and how often 
not in a renovation, but traditionally in a home, how often should you change them? Depends on the size of filter. You know, okay. if you have your traditional one inch little thin filter on your duct system, because I run my fan at home all the time, I change it once a month. Once wow. a month. No, because the fan's running all the time. Can I ask you what your preference is? Is it 3M? Is Yeah, 3M makes a good filter. Anything that's sort of, you know, a Merv 8 is the efficiency. Something You, that's you have a one good. inch filter in your own home? Well, I would assume well, you have some a... sort of... <laughs> I moved into a builder house a couple of years ago. Oh, and, that's why you have. And you don't want to know the things I found in that place. And it was a builder. I couldn't believe that it. Don't say like, the name. Don't say the name. How did it, uh, these things pass code? Don't yeah, say the name. That's a whole other story. Yeah. But uh, speaking um, of filters, don't do you guys recommend putting any of the new electronic filters and things like that or the zappers or whatever they call it? What are they called? Air purification systems? HEPAs? Oh. HEPA filters yeah, are it. always good. Electronic air cleaners. Is it worth it, or are they like they start to get really expensive? Well, or? I don't. I don't know anything about this. So if you can explain this a little to me, it looks like a CPU from the eighties. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and they're from the eighties. Not so many people put in electronic air cleaners really, anymore. Yeah? They're they emit a lot of ozone. They require a lot of maintenance. A lot of people don't realize electronic Why? air cleaners. You actually need to pull out the guts, the pre-filter, the post-filter, wow. the cells, and actually clean them once a month. Otherwise, the efficiency drops on them really fast. So I didn't know they're, that. they're pretty maintenance heavy. And they're very fragile, too. Yeah. In what way? In ways that if you break one of the wires, the whole thing doesn't work. This is like every brand's or every like brand? That's how they work? Yeah. So why hasn't someone kind of designed a better electronic air filter system? They're out there. There's better filtration systems out there, but they're expensive. It could be two, $3,000 to put in a, a better HEPA filter system with UV lights built in. Why do you so need on. the UV lights? Uh, UV lights are odors. good if you want yeah, odors. Uh, usually they're installed around the coil or they help uh, any mold sort of build up. It kills the bacteria kills in the, the air. kills the bacteria. The bad so bacteria, yeah. Are they, are they yeah. worth it? I don't think so. I think if you have your system cleaned every year, I don't think you have to worry. You don't necessarily need it. So you get away with a one-inch filter. One-inch filter, if if it's existing, yeah, change it frequently. If not, like Once the, a month. the new homes that we get involved in, we'll have like four-inch filters are pretty standard now. Okay. The four-inch thick filters, because code actually says you need to have a MERV 11 filter. What's that? Now, it's just, it's the density and the efficiency of the filter, the amount it basically removes in the and system. And that's a four-inch. I think they do make one-inch filters, MERV 11, but uh, they'd be pretty dense. Why but, is it uh, called the MERV 11? It's uh, the efficiency of the filter. What's, I think they go what's MERV? To, it goes up to 16 on the Named after the Murphy Merv. or something? I don't know what's MERV. So what's MERV? It's basically the amount that it extracts, the dust and, and pollens and so on, the efficiency that it'll capture in the filter. Okay. So MERV 11 is now standard, but you know 4-inch filters are nice because you only have to change them twice a year oh really or maybe three times a year four times a year depending on how much you're running the fan it all comes back to how much you're running the fan and what's in your house are you you in a cat house with a dozen cats and a lot of dander in the air that's getting sucked through the system doesn't you cats. gotta change you gotta change those filters if you're in a house that's all hardwood floors and maybe you're you know a household of two and there's not a lot of dust in the air you probably don't have to change it as often it comes down to environment as well does the HRV have a filter? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And how often should you change that? You're supposed to wash yeah, it, right? Washable. Yeah. yeah, that's what I know that one. Yeah. Okay, but so how often do you do that? We come in and do it for you twice a year. Twice a year. Okay. <laughs> no, it's good to know because, you know, a lot of people own these things and they don't know how to work them. So, you know, people sell them houses and they just say, here's the keys. Bye. Yeah. And there's no information left. So this is a great way to talk about things you need, the maintenance, call you guys up, to take care of that kind of stuff, right? Filter changes depend, again, on the household and the thickness of the filter. 
You know, your humidifier should be serviced every fall. It should be done. Your furnace should be looked at every fall to make sure it's clean and working properly and your CO levels are in check. And same thing with your air conditioner. It should be checked every spring. If your humidifier is, uh, what's that inside part called? The honeycomb thing, whatever it is. What's that called? <laughs> the pad. Uh, the pad? The is that what it's called? The pad? Humidifier uh, panel. What if, what if that's like full of crustaceans of something on it? Is that like, can you CLL, CLR or whatever that thing? Or no, you got to get a new no, one. No, you got to get a new one. Why? You can't CRL. I mean, Vinegar. Vinegar. Can I answer this one? Go ahead. Because you know, actually on humidifier pads, there's a special coating there designed to hold the water on the pad. A lot of people think it's actually calcium buildup on the pad and they go and they clean it and they do the CLR thing get and they make it clean. But there actually is a special coating to keep the water on the pad. So when the air goes through, the pad is nice and moist. You clean it or CLR it or whatever. You're actually damaging You're it. actually removing that uh, special coating. And so now the water is just going right through. It's just like a... Water okay, fountain, so then if you have that pad, you do not CLR I've seen it. That no, a dozen no. Times. change it every Never. year. It's so like ten dollars. Just change it just once change a season. It. Yeah, that's all you do. You don't need to change the whole unit. <laughs> no, you just change the pad and you know make sure the drain line's clear. And there's actually a little calcium buildup in the little drain. Right, because it only uses like a quarter inch line or something like that, right? Yeah, half inch line. But uh, make sure your drain's working properly and so on. And I didn't know that. Well, I think another thing we should talk about is if you have a forced air and you're doing construction. You should be changing the filters like every three days to a week, right? Under construction. Oh. I mean, you don't want to have it on during construction. <laughs> These guys don't, they don't I like hate me. that. You're, I know, but you're damaging the machine. This is the problem. It's happening. What is the maintenance fix for guys that can't put a new furnace in and they're, is it just changing the filter? Stay on top of that filter. Because you're burning it out, right? Daily. You're making it work too hard. Oh, if it gets clogged up, then yeah, the furnace is, your blower is going to seize up. The unit's going to go off on high limit because yeah. the heat exchanger will overheat because there's no airflow. Yeah. Or in the summertime, the air conditioning will freeze up because the filter's clogged. It'll just change that filter as much as possible. I've seen some guys put little uh, filters on the return airs. So you're actually filtering some yeah, air I've seen on that. the that makes return sense. airs. Just a, yeah. like a sponge filter. You know, get the air at that point. And then get the ducks cleaned when the rental's done. So, uh, what brand of furnace do you guys like using these days? Uh, Amana. Amana? Really? I know Amana from refrigerators. They're making <laughs> furnaces now? Well, Amana is part of the Goodman Daikin family. They're all in the same sort of. Uh, okay. They're all the same manufacturer. So, when we launched and I went around trying to find a brand, yeah, none of the big guys wanted to touch us. Carrier, Daikin, Lennox, Train. Well, Why? Because we were small. We weren't. A big company, but it's funny actually. A few years go by, who's knocking on your door? Funny how that so, works. Yeah, huh? it's funny how that works. I know. So I know. We uh, we hooked up with Amana because it's actually the same uh, manufacturer as Daikin, and it's a very good quality product. They're actually the largest manufacturer in the world of HVAC products. It's, uh, it was a no-brainer for us, and we hooked up with a good wholesaler in the West End that gives us terrific support. Why do you no, like it? I don't it, know Andrew? if I'm allowed to plug like, them or not, like, but like, <laughs> oh, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, no, no, you so, totally do it. But yeah. why, why do you like it? You like it because of the installation? The installation, everything is ready to go. We never have much hiccups with it. Very straightforward, easy to install from drain to electrical. They thought about everything on the installation side of things. Where is the matter well, from? Even the setup now is Bluetooth. So yes. you actually sync your phone to the furnace and you set oh, up all your man. dip switches, your Seriously? airflows. You can see everything right through your phone now. So I love it, man. Yeah, really cool. Uh, wow, really? Yeah. New product line they have. Amana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think still at the end of the day, the all manufacturers are pretty close uh, reliability wise. It comes down to the guys installing it, 
making sure they're setting it up properly, their, their gas pressure, their, their CFMs or their static pressure in the system and being there to uh, follow up service and honor the warranties and be there if something breaks down. So how long would a furnace last? Should a furnace last? If you guys That's maintain a great it, question, by if the you way. guys maintain it, because I, I, I'm like, okay, washing machines nowadays are only supposed to last like seven years. That's what they friggin' have built these machines. But we all know we're old enough to know that we remember our green colored washing machine oh. and <laughs> almond colored. We still have an yeah. old one And in it the still basement. runs. It still Dude, runs. You can't kill this I thing. know, but you buy a new one today, it's dead in seven years. So furnaces nowadays, how long are they supposed to last if you maintain them properly on a yearly basis? As I say, that's like our green box air conditioner that Keepright used to make. Oh, Sears and ICG yes, exactly. that keep on going. Exactly. And they're like 35 years old now, but they still work and, and they've the, never been the serviced. And the pets have pissed all over it yeah, and it's still working. It's still all rusting. <laughs> I know. But uh, furnaces-wise, like how long should they last? 15 years? Yeah. Manufacturer says 15, yeah, 20 15. years. 15 years. Yeah. Nine years but, if, but if they say 50, so this is the way I always look at things. If they say 15 years, that means it's pretty well good for 20 because they're guaranteeing 15 because they know it's going to be good for 15 no matter what. That's right. You should start paying attention to it around 15, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. I always you start paying people. attention to it right away. Like you maintain it oh, every yeah, year. Right. Well, yeah. that's what we're talking about is maintenance. And I love the plugs, by the way, because <laughs> you know what? It's really important. Me and Manny want to stay true to the industry, and we're hoping that all you guys put your plugs in for what works for you and for the customer. Throw it in Plug there. away. Yeah. Plug away. Mm. <laughs> Use some of those on my head. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got lots in my nose, yeah. but none of my head. <laughs> Man, man, oh so man. So I'm, yeah. I'm really interested. I, another conversation I have, HVAC guys, they also do water tanks. Yeah. yeah. You guys also do water on demand. Mm -hmm. Tankless. So, tankless. Yeah. <laughs> I am hearing nothing but complaints about tankless from Italy and from outside the country. Parts coming in, taking so long to You're come going in. after Italy? <laughs> I'm just saying one of the problems, I'm not saying Italy. I'm saying when a system goes down, the parts take so long to come. Which brand is from Italy? Starts with a B. I don't know not which Bora. brand you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I should have. Na Naveen, whatever? Naveen? Na Naveen? Na no, they're Korean. And then um, Reem or whatever? Rian? Oh, I can't Rian. think of the manufacturer. Rihanna? They were really big. <laughs> I should have wrote Rihanna. I, I know exactly I'm, the I'm boiler. I'm having a brain fart right now. <laughs> I know but the one you're talking about. Itali but my, my point is, Italians, my, my point is, it's not just about the Italians. It's about being outside the country. But the big thing for me is I always tell people, like, so I have customers and they say to me, I want to get a water, like a hot water demand. You need a water tank anyways. Because if that system ever goes down, you know, you need a backup. Even if it's a 30 pound or something small, you know, something small, like just to have on the side, you could turn on. So you have hot water until you get fixed. A lot of people guys, are saying, I, I'm not a tankless guy. I'm, I'm not, not a tankless either. I don't, I don't like the tankless. I like the water. No, but, but you okay. guys tell us. A so I like radiant. So you need the boiler, which is the tankless system, yes. but you still need a tank for your hot water supply. How do you guys feel? Do you guys like the tankless or not to tankless? Or how do you guys, where do you Personal guys? opinions here, guys. These are just personal, personal opinions. opinion. Like what you're just saying, the best system I think is a boiler with an indirect. So your boilers, you know, it's heating your in-floor, it's doing your air handler, doing your snow melt. It's also heating a storage tank. It actually produces the same amount of hot water as a tankless would. It is more energy efficient and you've always got your 50 or 80 gallons stored ready to go and they're 95% efficient tanks. So now, your hot water goes through the tankless system, feeds the tank, 
you always have a 50 to 80 gallon tank of hot water. And the boiler feeds the water through a coil that's inside the storage tank. Got it. And then back to the boiler. I also heard that with a tank, water, like a tankless unit, that the water lines stay cold and they're never hot enough. The actual water in the lines really like cool down on the hot water. Oh, I think that happens even with your standard tank. Like if you don't turn a tap on and you're gone for the day, the water's going to cool there's still, down. But there's still that pressure. Goes back to plumbing and having a recirculating No, system, but there's still but... pressure on, on a water tank. Like all the water lines in a house, there's still pressure from that water, hot water tank and it's still pushing hot water. There's still resistance of heat where with a hot water demand, if you don't use it for 12 hours, now you've got a heat cold water that's ahead of it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's I'm, why I'm, you just, would have I'm a, just trying yeah. to break down some theories about what I'm hearing from people. Like a lot of people tell me that have water tanks, like water tanks on their wall. Every time they turn them on for two or three seconds, they really have cold water in their yeah. hot water. When they had water tanks, they never had that problem. I think that's a little myth. I think yeah. what's happening is like a tankless is on demand. So it's only going to turn on when there's a demand for water. But you have to, there's a delay because the heat exchanger needs to warm up and heat that water that's coming in from 45 degrees or 40 Fahrenheit from the street. And we got to bring it up to 120. It takes a few seconds for that to happen or a tank has already had it stored. But either situation, you still have colder water in the line from the mechanical room to the fixture. Yeah, correct? But yeah it's exactly. That's, but with I a water know. tank, it's under pressure. And that no, no, heat. but well, water stuff. pressure no, comes no. from the street. Yeah, so. no, but I mean, pressure. I mean, it's once it's gone, pressure. once it's gone to the wa hot water tank and it's gone out of that, you know, you say you turn your valve on upstairs yeah. and it's hot water. It's always going to stay hot under pressure, even if you're not using it. And you turn it off, and where it's just saying the on line demand, stays hot. on demand, that water will cool down because it's not under hot water pressure anymore. No, no, but no, it is. No, no. It is still, still under. It still is. So that it's that was that was some of the things I want to. Like I have, I always have people ask me questions, so I write them down and I'm trying to figure out if it's a myth or... Okay, but hang on a sec. So if you've got a tub that's on the second floor, your mechanical room is in the basement, you turn on the tub to get hot water, hot water runs through the line to get to the tub, you turn off the hot water now, that water in that line from the tub to the mechanical room stays a certain temperature but starts to cool down until that tub opens up again for more hot water, correct? Correct. Yes. Now, if it's a tankless system and you ask for it on demand, it still has to push out that water the water that there. was sitting there to begin with. You get hot water, it comes up, it fills up the tub, you turn it off again. That water still drops temperature again and you start the whole process all over but again. It made sense to me that when on the wall, it only pushes hot water through when it needs it but what's inside the line already but the water from tank, there but the water tank already is hot and it's radiating a mass that stays in that water line for a long time not from mm. the fixture to the mechanical room okay so it, it cools down correct is that I'm unless not the tank because it's already hot water that's is what i'm keeping hearing it warmer so, in the line where a tankless will technically cool down if it's, it's, not being it's used. one of the conversations i'm having and i just kind of trying to pick at it right maybe i'm not going to say no but that's the first time I've heard of that. We'll dude. get back to this. Yeah, <laughs> talk to a plumber. Well, that, yeah, I was about to. Say, I was waiting for one of you guys to say talk to a plumber. No, but you. But guys that's where a recirc line would come in for plumbing purposes. So yeah, now exactly. you actually stop the process halfway I like through, that, man. and you, got and you the water do that circulating, right? right. But uh, okay, so go back. You guys handle all the gas. Right. Yeah. So you guys like setting up a manifold in the mechanical room because I've been noticing that more and more homeowners are asking for direct lines for gas, barbecue, 
cooktop, dryer, fireplaces, yeah, dryer, generators, whatever, cool all kinds heaters, of, yeah, standby air, generators. Holy cow! Garage everything. heaters. Is there a limit wet, on gas? There's no limit on gas. No right? limit. You can bring as much gas you want inside the house. Yeah, yep. you're willing to pay for it. That's all it is. Yeah. Because you're just using it. Yeah. But you guys... doesn't care. They just give you a bigger meter and start charging you more. But you have to do the same thing that electricians have to do where they have to do a load calculation. Yes. You guys need to figure out what cooktop, what barbecue, what standby generator, all that. That's math. Now it's math, right? Great conversation. Because so, I deal with this all the time where I'm quoting a job in the beginning. And they go, oh, we're going to put in a range. We're going to put in this. So I size a certain gas line for that appliance. And then all of a sudden, the homeowner or the client decides to you know, sale pick their appliances a year later <laughs> yes. when they're at the finishing, and they want some massive thing. And it's like, well, we didn't put a gas line in big enough for that because you didn't tell us that a year ago. And that's hard for a client to decide on what stove they want a year beforehand. But like, we need to. So we just said, hell with this. Let's just size for the biggest thing available. I love it. And, and then they decide to put in Is that what you guys big, do now? Always, yeah. Then we've got the capacity, and it's you know it's a few extra bucks up front. But then the homeowner can put in whatever they want because we've got enough gas. Beautiful. To so yeah, what what are people putting in, in in kitchens now? What what size BTU cooktops are they putting in? Like six figures now? Oh yeah, about a hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah. Wow, hundred thousand. Oh, yeah. Isn't oh. this like a restaurant? Like, and then that brings up the conversation of a big range hood that's I extracting twelve hundred yeah, CFMs. <laughs> and then they say, why is our fireplace backdrafting? Because you need to make up the air. This is where it gets into HVAC and, design. And it brings up make up air conversation, which let's is now talk about big. that. Yeah. Okay, so the idea is that if you've got a big cooktop and you got a fireplace and you got a range hood and you're using all three, you're gonna have a problem in the house. It's just it's a matter of how many CFMs you're extracting from the home. Because if you've got a pressurized wow. house You're so right. Yeah. You got a pressurized house and all of a sudden you're sucking air out through the down or for the hood range or whatever, you're depressurizing the house at that point. That's correct. And that's affecting your heating conditioning. It's affecting the heating, but you're creating a negative pressure. So it really comes into play with... Is it as simple as saying that you're going to have fire, a hard time opening and closing the door? Well, yeah. You can open the door and there's a big whoosh of air that comes in and hits that's you in what the happens. face. It's because the house, you're, you're sucking the air out of the house. And you got to make it up when you put in these big range hoods. And a lot of mechanical engineers will design anything over you know 400 CFMs. Or if you put a 600 CFM range hood in makeup air is required so whatever you're extracting we're bringing back in at the same time i learned which is a, a whole other mechanical system i I, I know i learned something about um revolving doors in buildings you probably know this right tyler i think i know where you're going with it yeah so why and how they were designed and the purpose behind a revolving door because the buildings were all in a static pressure yeah and you can't have somebody just open up a swing door because they physically will not be able to because of the pressure inside the structure will not allow them to do that. But if you created a turn cycle door that got somebody to come in and then you went in and then went out, you can constantly keep the static pressure of the structure without an exiting at the same time. So that's where revolving doors all came I from. I love commercial buildings. Mm -hmm. They're even more energy efficient than a home because they've got so much heat and with the lights on and so on you don't even have to heat the buildings anymore <laughs> True. here's a question that brings up 
Have you guys done geothermal? No, we haven't touched geothermal yet. And have why people, is that? Have people asked? It's a little bit of a different animal. You don't get asked for that a lot in the city because you gotta. You're not drilling out in a field like you would in the country. Like you're you're going down four or five hundred feet. So that the, low, the, huh? the, the I don't. I don't. Well, it doesn't have to enough, be that way. It could it could float across, right? It could float across, yeah. but you need a lot of uh, space. A lot of space to do it. So you see it a lot more in the country. Yeah. I think geothermal about ten years ago got really popular because the government was giving huge money back tens and twenty thousand dollars yeah i wasn't paying to, out to to do it but uh nowadays uh not so much but you guys think it's, it's worth it if you have the money probably if you had the money maybe uh the thing with geothermal is it requires a lot more energy to heat and cool the air than your traditional system so if you had uh for example you needed three tons of cooling in geo you may need five tons which means you need five tons of air which then makes the duct work bigger unless you have wow. other ways to cool the air and, and same thing on the heating side of it. So how are you heating so, the air that's coming in? Well, it's still through the geothermal. It's basically like a heat pump loop, for Got example. It. So you're extracting energy from the earth to heat and cool or, or from water. There's water source, geothermal. And, uh, and Which is the best thing. one, right? Wait, so, so the water from geothermal is what? cools the air correct it cools and it heats it you're, you're, it heats you're extracting it. energy through the refrigeration process you're either heating a coil or cooling a coil which then your air goes across but then you still need backup like because it still doesn't produce enough heat to heat a home efficiently so usually there's some source of backup whether it's a propane or or natural gas if you have kind it of defeats the purpose at that point now well, you always need some source of backup i got a couple uh, more questions for you just questions that i put together all the time from people talking to me customers and you know potential the customers the voices in my head <laughs> it's precious a man a man a man a man you know like the guy you saw in the bar last time it was a man <laughs> i knew it <laughs> um when should you put dampers in vents and when shouldn't you? And is it something you should always do? That's zoning. That's a zoning question. No, but I, mm. I always hear people saying, I never get enough heat in this room. There's too much heat in that room. You know, some of my, my quick answers to them are dampers. Why aren't dampers in all registers close to the floors? <laughs> well, like, they should be. It's cold. Yeah. Okay. Well, because I've run into a lot of houses. Don't you don't ever put your hand inside oh, a ductwork and you find that yeah, little disc in I there? Never, I never yeah. see it. Older homes, what do you mean you never older, see older it? Older homes may not have them. Okay. Then you just get a get a register that has a damper. That I've seen can... these guys install it and I keep telling them, don't install that. I hate those things. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about assist, assist blowers? When, to, when do you use them and when don't you use them? Are they worth it? Well, like inline fans, like, or like I, I know, like Canadian Tire sells the register that has a fan built in. No, that's no, 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 an no, actual the blower work. in the duct line, like a six-inch like, blower. Like an inline. Does that make sense? Are they worth it? I've heard sometimes they want you need to get heat to a room that's on the other side of. I don't think the house. they work, man. I think they do. They're do assisting really? the heat, right, or the uh, cold. Never tried it. <laughs> never we, installed we've installed one. them for like dryers because when you're over 20 feet you know venting a dryer you need to have a booster fan to help get rid of that but I mean, we've never actually installed them on any actual there's a question runs. for you guys what is exactly the math that's associated with every single elbow that's attached to a run what changes to the velocity of that 
air movement. Oh, going back to duck design days. Well, I, I was always taught that you lose, what is it, 10%? 10%? Yeah, I heard it too, man. <laughs> is it that you lose? I don't know. Is it you lose 10% or you end up adding 10 feet with every elbow of your run? Is that correct? It's about every five feet. Five. So every yeah, elbow about five adds feet. five feet to your run. Yes. It's equivalent wow. to it. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's so when good. So the duck to know. design is done. They'll figure, okay, so we got to go 50 feet here. You can never figure out how many elbows on paper that you're actually going to use because right. real life is different than on paper. So then the duck designer will account for a certain amount and then they usually will go past that. So if it's borderline between a five inch or a six inch run, they'll, they'll always go six inch or they should, anyways, as good design practice. But isn't the average nowadays six? Minimum? Yeah, six? yeah usually yeah. five to six. I still see some designers use four inch if it's a small amount of CFMs, which is just a pain because then you got to bring four inch material for one duck run. So we'll just do five anyways and just damper down the airflow when we balance. And I mean, but, you guys have a pretty big business here. You guys aren't just doing like rads, in floor heating, you know, HVAC, air conditioning. You guys are doing exhausts, uh, washroom vents. Like, what are the standard sizes for that now? What are the codes for washroom exhausts? Five, six. Five, six. Five, mm -hmm. six, usually. Again, it'll come down to what the designer has put in there for a fan and the amount of CFMs. So that it's extracting, but usually five to six inches. So how can, we, can we tell our listeners exactly how to calculate CFMs in a room? It's it's the height, the width, the height, height, the width, height, length. the width. What you're trying to? The volume, the CMM, the CFM is, is the cubic feet, feet per minute. Per per minute. Per minute of airflow, your velocity basically. So how much, how air much you're volume is in a room, and that's mm. what determines the size of the fan. And yeah, air like one ten or a seventy. No, or... no, no, back it up. You got that wrong. What's the math? <laughs> so we're... <laughs> we're trying to tell the HVAC guys how to so, do this. No, we're asking. We're when asking. the design is done, a mechanical engineer will do your heat loss, heat gain, determine how much heat and how much cool it needs for each room and then at that point you have to figure out what kind of heating and cooling system you're going to use to heat and cool each room let's just talk forced air for example so then if there's a you know 3000 BTU heat loss for example for that room then you have to calculate the length of the run from the furnace so on and so forth that might be a six inch run and that room requires 80 CFMs of airflow to heat that house under extreme conditions it's always done under the extreme conditions. I looked at it totally differently because like, for example, someone will hire me to just do a washroom instead of a complete renovation. And I'll go in a washroom and I'll see that they have this fan and there's mold and there's like orange gunky stuff built up on That fan? Yeah. So I have to change it. And usually, you know, I kind of feel out the person, but I usually always go a little bit higher for exhausting out, you know, the humidity or the scent in the air. <laughs> I never, I never looked at it as I'm taking energy away from other rooms. Like I never looked at it that way. I always just focused you on are. that room. Maybe I misunderstood you. I thought you're talking heating and cooling spaces. You're talking about extracting air from bathrooms. That's right. From and I'm talking, I'm actually talking like about sizing an both. exhaust fan. I'm talking about both. So yeah. So sizing an exhaust yeah. fan in a bathroom, depending on the size of the bathroom, you go based on the size of the bathroom. So how do you calculate that for the bathroom? But yeah, you've got a valid point though. That door is closed there and you're still sucking air out of that bathroom you need to replace that air so you need to calculate how much air you're losing in that room while you're using it for the purpose of that bathroom correct or wrong if it doesn't have a duck run if it doesn't have another 
yeah. source of heat or there's a source of heat in there but there's never a cold air return in a bathroom correct no there's not yeah. but you're still supplying air then you're extracting i don't it. think, so think you'd, you'd want okay, a cold but... air return in a bathroom no, that would be no, the only no, no. so <laughs> so what i've always you don't said pulling those smells yeah. back into your duct i'm not suggesting that no no <laughs> some <laughs> evil portuguese trick from no. manny <laughs> No, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just trying to figure out. I, I thought there was three numbers you had to calculate the volume of a room to figure out the air out of a bathroom. Okay, so you're just talking, yeah, extraction from a bathroom. So Yes, so how yeah, do you calculate? There, there's a calculation done based on the size of bathroom. And so my bathroom is 10 feet wide, 10 feet uh, uh Ten feet wide, ten feet long, and uh, nine feet tall. You'd probably be like a hundred CFM fan because you're like a hundred square feet. So, so you just a, go hundred square use feet. A one to one ratio. One to one. Nice. Did you just make that up, Tyler? Or is that yeah, true? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got Shit. mechanical and engineers. I just, and I just wrote that down like an idiot. Because he just wrote it down, man. Like, <laughs> no, that, that's a, it's a pretty basic rule of thumb. Okay. And yeah. then same thing with, I guess, the powder room as well. Then it, No. So no, anytime there's a toilet and funky smells, you need to put an exhaust fan. Yeah. Even when you got a bathroom that has, as they call a water closet or a... It's got like a tiny toilet in it and a tiny a toilet, pedestal. Not even a pedestal. Even if you have a toilet room inside your bathroom and it has a door it needs its own it fan. needs its own fan exactly yeah. well, it's, it's technically its own room and yes. i want to talk about this also uh laundry rooms yeah. they should have always no matter what exhaust fan. it's not exhaust code fan. but it should wait a second it's not code i see it designers all i was the told time. No, it's code it's code well, I then thought the it was cold. I got designers missing it every day because I see it all the time come through my desk and there's a laundry rooms with no exhaust fans. We I put was, them in anyway. I was told it's code and I always put them in. On the drawings that I've seen, they've always asked for it. Well, for two reasons. I'll send you some copies and stuff. I've seen. <laughs> Seriously? Oh, yeah. There's like but permitted I, drawings? I don't know if this comes back to what kind of permit you're going through. Are you going through oh, for a renovation wait. or are you going through for like a new build? Because I know there's different codes. New builds, so it's always going to be there. Maybe a new build always does. Maybe. But a renovation, a, no. Maybe well, in renovation, it the doesn't. biggest reason I know you're supposed to have an event or an exhaust in a laundry room is if you have bleach or you have chemicals that you're in in a laundry basin and you're making those, there should be an exhaust to take those fumes out. So that was like one of the biggest reasons I was always told to always have a ventilation or an exhaust in a laundry room. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. How are we liking all the new digital tools, man? Are we loving all the new digital tools? Are we a little intimidated by all the digital tools? I love the Ecobee. I think it's a cool-looking uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Love I, the I don't like Nest. Me, personally, I don't like Nest. Why do you like Ecobee? I think it looks cooler and it's attached to Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to give me something really smart. <laughs> Everything is designed, is, is chosen on design. Why did you choose that van, that Ventura thing, whatever there? It was a great deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I bet you, you like the look no, of no, it. No, no, honestly, I would have, if I had the money like you, um, <laughs> I would have bought a 4x4 Mercedes Sprint. Or yeah. four, four by four They're Mercedes. Very. Yep. Yeah. Four by four. Woo. But I have to have four by four because <laughs> I'm always in the bushes. That and van's mud a four and, by four. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Back to EcoBee. You guys like using the EcoBee. What other ones are there? Like Honeywell finally got on the train and they're using one now or something or no? Every manufacturer has you know their own. Digital, digital Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi, thermostat, carrier, Lennox, train. Oh, they all have the, them now. The, the big retail products out there are Honeywell and Nest and Ecobee that but I've e seen anyways. But Ecobees are... Okay, you guys tell me why you guys like Ecobee. Well, for one, they're easy to set up. 
user-friendly for sure. You can put sensors everywhere so where you can balance the system. Do you guys yeah. do condos? No. Not very Okay, often. so I'll tell you, uh, I just finished a condo a couple months ago and they made me change it to a digital program. They had an old Honeywell. The gray know, looking thing yeah, with the yeah. switch on it? And they, and they wanted a digital one and they were supposed to be friendly. They were supposed to be universal adapt. What I didn't know was every building has different amounts of boilers. When we went to go program and set it up, we had to find out how many boilers were in each building. So when it comes to commercial, like I know you guys are talking residential, but commercial high rise buildings, you gotta be really careful because if you don't know how many boilers you have, you can't set these things up and they're really hard to set up. Were you doing a condo unit or was it like- It was a condo unit. So we went to go put this in. I called some, I called in another company. They were having such a hard time and the building wasn't working with us. They wouldn't tell us how many boilers they had. I don't understand why you would need to know all the boilers. Because the computer wants to know how many boilers are on board. But you're only using one boiler for that one unit, no? Not even. Usually condos are off chillers and- I, I, yeah, this, usually, this building was your, on boilers. Your thermos, okay. So I just want to and pick your brain on that because it was a problem that was, I think might condo. come up for other con like people that are listening. I'm always trying to think about the people that are listening and try to you know help them out for the future, how to prevent problems, potential problems in the future. So I just wanted to bring that up because I had a problem and we never got to resolve that properly. Mm -hmm. And I'm still trying to figure that out right now. So we had to go back to the old system and now I'm trying to figure out which system could work for high rise buildings. Can't you mm. put a picture on Ecobee? Like your own picture, like a portrait or something like that. <laughs> Can you? Do I know that? you could with the carrier. Really? <laughs> I don't think you do that with Ecobee. No, but Carlito, I'll, I'll look into that. I thought you that. could, Please. man. I'll look into that. And or get did an you answer. tell me that, Andrew? I and I that. believed you. I think Andrew told me that, and I believed him. <laughs> like you could do a picture, like sneaky, like that. <laughs> <laughs> I always found Ecobee to more, yeah, be more user friendly. Uh, going back a few years ago, I had clients that were in a hard time with Nest and the auto learning feature. I hate Nest. For and, that. and so on. This was I actually, haven't I haven't seen any of their new product lines. I haven't tried them, so I don't want to comment where they are today. I know they I have wireless know. sensors now, and they integrate with your cameras and everything else. And I'm pretty sure Ecobee's got that coming down the line. Who makes and, Ecobee? Amazon. It's Amazon. Yeah, That's yeah, what Amazon. I thought. Damn, Amazon. Amazon. Doing good, eh? Yeah. <laughs> These guys are doing and, everything, man. It's yeah. 2020, they're, not 1920. They're even trying to take Netflix out. <laughs> no, they're not. They got no. a really cool thing coming down uh, with their sensors are actually going to be in their light switches. I think they've got them in the States. What? I don't know if they've come up here yet. What but do you instead mean? Instead of doing wireless sensors, you just put your light, you know, your typical light switch on the wall and that'll do your temperatures. No more putting in wireless sensors all over the place. It'll wow. be integrated into your light switch. So you start creating like multi-purpose zones, like you're you're really making some serious own systems. Well, it's one less thing on the wall, right? I think that's what it all comes down to, one less thing. Wow. A three-in-one tool. I love them, man. Yeah. I think a lot of people would want that, right? I guess out of all the trades, what do other trades think of HVAC guys? <laughs> no, they hate us, don't they? Why? Because we're electricians and plumbers and HVAC. Oh, we you're do, we a do everything. Of everything. Oh, I don't in know. Way. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, we always have this big duct work and all these tools in the way and these big trucks that are getting everyone's way. And no, the, oh, the it, big furnaces come in, the big yeah. compressors come in, the big hot water tank. You guys are so important, though. Any the heart. Honestly, like, I can't wait for my washroom to be done so I could put my drywall up until you guys finish the vents or, or the exhaust. And I can't finish the kitchen until you guys drill a hole and put the exhaust in. Like, yeah. it's just... 
you guys are so important. It's in every room, man. That's nice. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I think we're an important part of the build. Yeah. It's really good relationship to have a, a good HVAC company and, and stay good with them because you guys do everything. You guys doing a lot of snow melt these days? Damn, I was just about to yeah, get to that. Yeah, yeah we the get fuck? in. Well, you can feel this one. You're the one actually doing all the snow melt, laying the pipe down. So. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Is it really worth it, or is it oh, just totally like? Totally worth is it. Is it gluttony, man? Is it just luxurious gluttony? Like you're showing off in the neighborhood. Oh, look! I don't have to shovel my driveway. <laughs> Dude, uh, it's so cool. It's Sidewalks are dry. The driveways dry. A- ask your buddy Will how he likes his. Snow oh, melt. I saw that video. Yeah, I, I saw, saw that, that video, video too. man. Yeah. I, like I know he was showing it off. It was great, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? So <laughs> I love him, man. But he came to us and like, oh, we got to get the snow melt up and going. You got to help me out. You got to get it going. I'm like, all right, let me send in Andrew. He'll make it work. So how does it basically oh, work? I, uh, telling my neighbors all summer about my snow melt and it's not up and running yet. And, oh, yeah. He was crying. The- Holy cow. I love right? Will, though. Great guy. Did you put a sign up um, saying this house has a snow melt? Like, man. No, it is totally cool, man. Okay. So, Andrew, walk us through a snow melt install. So usually there's a sensor outside on your driveway. And when that sensor detects either snow, water, ice it'll actually turn your boiler on and it'll turn the pump on heat up your driveway that way when it snows it will melt automatically like but you don't have water in that system no it's glycol glycol because glycol doesn't freeze up to what temperature it depends on what you mix it at okay so you can do 60 40 you can do 50 50 we typically try to go 50 50 so for the worst case scenarios. For the really, really cold. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then that's all it does. And then it heats that up and it runs it and you don't have to shovel. Exactly. Do you have to have a separate boiler? It depends on how your system's designed. You can have your own separate boiler. Um, if your existing boiler is big enough, then you put a heat exchanger in and run glycol through the heat exchanger side. And so it all depends on what you have in your home. It takes a lot of BTUs to... Yeah. It does. Snow. Eh? It takes a lot of horsepower. So, are you using a lot of energy? You're using a lot of energy. I would assume using so. a lot of energy when you're shoveling, aren't you? And it's saving the environment. But at that's least mad in another well way. energy, man. Yeah. No salt. No salt. <laughs> Animals can be. You're not slipping. Your mailman can't sue you. And Neighbor. Will actually made a good point. I watched his video. How it's going to save his driveway. It's going to the longevity of it. The stone. True. Yeah. So on and so forth. True. So that made some good points. I never really thought. Drunk of. people laying on your yeah. driveway. Oh, it's so warm. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd like to know how much energy it's wasting because it is wasting energy i'm sorry it's but probably it is. consuming a lot because mine is 40 outside let's say and it's snowing and you're running the system you're consuming how much power so well, you put won't... it this oh. way it takes about 30 btus per square foot to heat a house snow melt is 150 so what say that, it, say that it's one more time that just blew me away snow melt generally will be 135 <laughs> to 150 btus per square foot to melt snow come here Cardino. where hug the tree your uh, <laughs> your typical house uh you know not a manny built project which requires zero heat but uh most houses are about 30 BTUs per square foot. Okay, but... So it's about five times the amount of energy But we're talking about, you know, electricity directly going to this boiler. Electricity? Gas. 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 Is it gas? It's the gas consumption. It's a much bigger boiler. Are you using more energy for snow melt than you would be a pool? Well, that's a good question. I dun, guess it... Dun, dun, yeah. dun, dun, I don't know. Dun. Typical, I, actually, I guess it depends on how harsh the winter. Are, 
200,000, 250,000 BTUs, that's probably equivalent to your average snow melt. So it'd probably be pretty close. I guess it depends on the winter, the amount of snow. Do you want your pool at 90 degrees or 75? I don't want a pool. It's Do a hole in the ground. <laughs> and it's just like... And it comes down to the snow melt where you keep your idle temperature versus your melting temperature. So... Does Will have a pool too? I don't think so. Can I ask another question then? I don't know. I've been um, in his backyard. Do you like to see like a foil back on the ground or do you just do rebar and the water lines on top do you like a puck system like what what's the most efficient like if we're going to be wasting that kind of energy into that driveway we want to kind of like reflect it back up to where it needs to be right is there a particular contractor or a system that you like to use or is it just different for every job most of the time yeah we're just coming and doing the install of the so the what are they doing? Lines. Are they running four inch foam? I've, I've seen some guys do the, yeah, the foam, like the puck system. I've, we've seen foil back insulation done underneath rebar or even wire mesh. Yeah. You know, it it makes I just wanted to. But oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Otherwise you're sending heat into the ground. You're yeah. just sending it up. So you definitely want to have some sort of insulation to reflect the heat upwards to melt. You're building your, I'm going to ask both you guys the same question. You're building your dream house. You get to choose whatever you want to use. Tell me the product and what you do in your own home. Andrew, you want to start? For sure, I do Radiant. Absolutely Radiant, house. huh? Absolutely Radiant with the air handler. So they can do the humidification, the air conditioning. Oh, you obviously need an HRV. A man, uh... Yes, a mana. <laughs> I'm going to be totally looking into this, by the way, now. A mana? I agree. I'd probably do the same system, a combination of radiant plus a forced air system. I go the same I, I would way do if the I same thing, man. I, yeah. Tyler and Andrew have taught me that it makes sense to do a hybrid system radiant first this is on a brand new build so yes so if we did have most of my customers i'm not at the level of manny yet <laughs> no but no he level has of andrew and tyler it, no i know but he has eccentric customers and they have larger budgets or are more entertained to doing things the proper way my customers are more blue collared and they don't have the affordability to do things but they take chances on areas like bathrooms, kitchens. Saying that HVAC is pretty much the easiest, most simple way to go then, right? Just with your standard forced air, furnace, AC. Well, yeah. here's, the, yeah. here's the question, Tyler. Budget, you friendly. said that you just recently moved into a builder grade home. Yes. Well, yeah. Walk us through ago. everything that was wrong in that house. Oh, I like that. Oh, all right. Because um, I, I already have a picture of what was wrong in that house, but walk us through that picture. The first thing I noticed was uh, our spare bedroom. Uh, there was nothing coming out of the register. This bedroom? So I, I, was it over the garage or something? Technically, I guess it's over the garage. It's a three-story town. And okay. This is the third floor. And I'm like, okay, so there's nothing coming out of this register. I do my thing. You know, check the airflow. I throw a camera down there. And? and there's I'm okay. I can't see anything here. So something's disconnected. Something's gone along the way. So I contact the builder and they come in. They end up tearing out the all the drywall in the garage to try to find where the duck run was before they tore about the inside of the house. And? So we started in the garage and found that the duck run wasn't even connected. They were missing about 15 feet. Holy <laughs> Tear out shit. all the spray foam in the garage ceiling. Was it two pound? <laughs> went through the whole process and i was like yeah so this so this got passed eh like the oh city, the city passes so the, the garage ceiling was spray foamed with a line that was not connected yes so they had to tear out all the spray foam find the line run about 15 feet of the the duck run but reconnected respray foam re-drywall and so on it's like how, how does that get missed that wasn't just a fitting coming apart that's like, 15 you missed feet. like 15 feet of a duck run okay so that's number and, one 
That's number one. Another thing I found was plumbing. The first time I went in the backyard to open up the backyard tap and I cranked that open and I'm like, oh, there's no water coming out. That's funny. It's got to be going somewhere. And I go, well, I run back in the house. Of course, it's flooding the basement. No. So I ran in and shut the valve off in the mechanical room pretty quickly. So to minimize the damage in the drywall, because it a, it's a walkout basement. So the water lines run through a finished ceiling. It turns out one of the shark bite fittings wasn't actually crimped. Whoa. So Shark bite fittings are only for emergencies. Maybe not a shark bite. What, what, what's the fitting? It's a crimp fitting. Uh, maybe it was The copper crimps? Maybe it was a copper crimp. Maybe it was a shark bite. Oh, it was, my. Uh, I wasn't just there. turned red. I, I wasn't it, there. It wasn't even... A, I don't think it was... I think it was a plastic fitting. A plastic crimp fitting wasn't actually connected. So when I opened the, the valve for the first time, the pipe, that exploded. And wow. But hang on a sec. But it's when a, you do an inspection, you're actually supposed to put a pressure line to find out if there's any holes. So you would, you would have so. discovered that one Should. if you inspected. If you inspected. You would have discovered that one. Or for if sure the you plumber would. was, you know, maybe he'd actually open up the water line to make sure it flowed properly. <laughs> what other uh, lovely again. things did you find in your home? Oh, I found something recently with the undermount lighting that's now gone. What was that? It's like that? only two years later or, you know, or three years of the home. Undermount lighting. I thought it was the bulbs. So I went into City Electric, got the, the undermount bulbs. wasn't the bulbs. So I changed the ballast. Nope, wasn't the ballast. It has power to each line, but they've done something in there to the electrical that... What was it? I don't know. I got to call Oh, you I gotta to get, figure that one I got to get Barry back from Ireland to come take yeah, a look. He's not coming back. I love Barry. <laughs> he's so not coming send back. me an electrician so I can find out this not mystery. Because there's, uh, there's other Irish. I can't Irish. figure this one out. <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty yeah. of Irish electricians here. He what other? Then. Any other HVAC problems? Poor installation. I found in the mechanical room. A uh, small mechanical room, but they put the HRV right in front of the door when you walk in. So you had to actually go underneath it. No. So I actually had Andrew relocate it. He ended up coming over and relocating the HRV and hanging it. Right in it. front of the door? Well, it was right in front of the door. You had to actually duck and go underneath it instead of just putting it on an exterior wall where it was made more sense. Why are they also on corrugated lines? Like, why aren't they on rigid lines? And why are they always hanging from chains? Nope. Uh, there's a reason. There's a reason for that. You to can't, you, Andrew. Give you, us a reason. You can't do hard on H, uh, HRV, right? Hard pipe. Because why? It's going to sweat? Well, your intake and exhaust from outside has to be insulated because you're yeah. bringing in fresh air that could be cold or hot, and you're extracting air. So but why is it a flexible H, line? Going from the HRV to your duct system, it could be it either could be or. Anything, yeah. No, but you guys always made it flexible. Flexible, insulated. They're always flat. It, it's, like yeah. it's like an octopus. Every time I, I look at it, they're like octopuses in no, the weirdest places. I know. And I always wonder, why aren't these rigid <laughs> lines? So why can't we make them rigid lines or you guys don't want to? You could. You, it you, helps with sound too. Oh. Flex flex is better for sound. And HRVs don't move a lot of air, right? Your standard HRV is like 100 CFM. That's it. So it's not moving a ton of air. Mm. You don't need uh, smooth, rigid pipe to make sure you're getting your good CFMs to a bedroom that's 40 feet away, 50 feet away. Usually you're just ducted right into the duct system, right? Usually it's usually like five feet, and okay. you're just dumping in some fresh air. All right. And a lot of the times, they're, they end up in a tricky place where flex line is easier to install and keep it neat and tidy. And they're always on chains to take away the shake? Is that what it is? Yeah, for the vibration, yeah. Or you can put on a bracket. Sometimes we put them on yeah. wall brackets. I would rather gotta, see them on a wall. you got to be able to open the, the front of it. Yeah, like we put on wall brackets. We put isolation pads underneath. Have you ever seen anyone with a hard, rigid line on them yet? I yeah. haven't. I have. Were they noisy? No. No. <laughs> That's right. my fix then. I'll always, when I get one, when I finally do get my other house built, I'm going to uh, <laughs> definitely get that HRV <laughs> with the rigid lines for sure. What expectations do you guys have from GCs when you guys show up on a job site? What should be ready for you guys? Espresso station. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> charging table for batteries. Uh, that's never gonna happen. What the hell are you talking uh, about? Cadillac, a porta potties. That's never gonna happen. What else man? do we need? It's <laughs> never gonna happen. I meant more uh, like the industry in general. Like what kinds of? I guess it's just the framing should all be ready to go, right? Because the thing is, you guys are gonna come in with your plan and already start chopping away right yeah that's the worst when you show up to a site you're told the framing is ready and that comes back to me and sometimes i don't get there in time but making sure the site is ready to go and it's never ready uh, sometimes they are sometimes they're not but you try to trust the gc that they know what they're talking about they're like hey we're ready for you to come in in two weeks and we try to plan our schedule that way and you show up and yeah. half the framing I will never is call anyone <laughs> until they're ready i don't want to ruin my relationship with any of my trades i don't mind you calling me beforehand because we run a pretty packed schedule so i you know we need some notice like yeah. hey you're going to need us on site in like two how weeks. many Give days me how many weeks like what is it ideal i like to get at least two weeks notice wow so i can plan the schedule that's tight at least two weeks mm -hmm. a lot of the time but that's so why i try to keep in contact with all the gcs and i'm always constantly popping by the job sites seeing what stage it's at keeping tabs on things. Okay, so you're looking like you're three weeks away, so then I can plan our schedule and know where I'm sending our crews. Because now so you got on. three crews to juggle. Well, I got to, yeah, we got to juggle, and we got a lot of jobs to juggle. So wow. and we try to do our best to keep everybody's projects moving. I think that's what's made us successful yeah. to now is not delaying your project because we're somewhere else and we can't get there yeah. well, and I, slow you down by two weeks. I think everyone always believes that their job is the only one running. Even homeowners don't realize that everybody has to stay in business and there's more than one job going at one time. How realistic or ideal, and I don't know if you guys answered this earlier, would you put a return in every single room? Like well, I really believe, sure, I believe it. Can, yeah. And yeah. every room should have a return except for the bathroom, any. Yeah, don't put a return area. <laughs> or the back. laundry room. The laundry room. Yeah. In, yeah, yeah, I think so. If you can get a return air so, in every room, that'll so, give you a much better So why comfort. aren't we doing this as builders? Like I, I'm noticing when I go into builder homes, there's only like, you know, a four stack opening in, in the hallway and then there's none in any bedrooms. Why is that? All right, let me ask you, how many builders build to minimum code and who go past it? Who wants bulkheads? You know what? I don't mind bulkheads because code. I, I you uh, like bulkheads. Rephrase this. So I do a lot of condominium work and I've run into bulkheads and my fix to bulkhead problems is has changed because sometimes people want to cover them up or hide them. I accent them by turning them into coffered ceilings or you oh, know, we've done I'll, that. I'll do something do that. I'll do something interesting with it. I'm not afraid of bulkheads. I think that it could really add to the look. I like to make them a little hot, a little tighter to the ceiling. I'm just saying if there's another alternative to a bulkhead, then we should entertain it. Well, I mean, walls are going a two by six now or, and plus. Make it two so, by six. I mean, your lines are typically five or six inch yeah. lines for rigid lines, Two by lines, six right? walls are much nicer than the two by fours that we're usually given. And you we're supposed to run a six inch pipe through. You mean you're squishing? Squishing a tiny bit. <laughs> no. The drywall we just We run it through and say, strap it out bigger. Another thing right. I wanted to talk about too, I, I see One this. last thing. No, no, there's a couple more. No, one um, last so thing. So <laughs> one, one of the big problems I always see and I, I want to talk about is Every time I go into a bathroom to get a bathroom, no one ever has an insulated sock with a vapor barrier over their rigid lines. I get up there and there's, it's just a corrugated line or it's just a rigid line going to the outside in less than four feet. And then they wonder why they get a condensation, sweating, heat loss. Is it mandatory to do that? First, is it, first five feet is code. Yes. First five feet is code. Okay. You can go so further, I want to, I want to clarify you go further that. just better. Like yeah. for me, 
it's it's mandatory. Like, Absolutely, yeah. I do it no matter what. I just want to find out. So I, I spray foam it the whole line right to the roof line. Yeah, I'm a little afraid of that because I've seen how spray foam when it's on metal, how it can crack off. No, you, so you, you're doing the whole thing. If I I would rather put a sock on it and then spray foam it because then yeah, the less that. chance of breaking. Plus, then you could change the line if you had to, like say you got mice or something in there, sure. and you could at least change it up in the future. Yeah, right? Really going. Over the top with a sock plus <laughs> <laughs> and with R30 on your bathroom build out the there and add a fireplace okay, while you're so at yeah, it. Yeah, builds a hell of a place. Before Manny gets me out of here, uh, for both of you guys, uh, if you could change one thing in the industry, what would you change? Just oh. one. Just one. Well, two things because there's two guys. <laughs> <laughs> you can't use the same one. Is it a code? Is it a product? Uh, something you'd add. Yeah, that's a good question. Should furnaces oh, and boilers be put on something instead of the concrete This is floor? not your question, Manny. <laughs> Wait a second. I'm going I'm to go with the... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I don't know, Andrew. You're in the field. What do you see? I can handle it. What would you the, change uh, if you could change something? If I could change something, I'd say bigger mechanical rooms. Wow. Yeah, that's, the first that's thing a that great answer. Brilliant 100% yes. agree. Um, no 100%. One gives you and that's space. what I'm going to do from now on for 100%. you. 100%. I agree with you Brilliant. on that one. They always make it the smallest room yeah, in the, why in the, is that? In the weirdest corner, underneath stairs. Like the a most important spot. room, yes. and they make it the smallest. Yes, I completely agree that with you. That was brilliant, man. Your turn, Tyler. Yeah, no, that's a, and I can even sort of continue on with that, is bring us HVAC guys in on the design stage. Yes. Right from the very beginning. Don't go to your mechanical engineer, because although they're great, and they're very good at what they do with their numbers and putting things on paper, they don't generally have a lot of hands-on experience. So when they're designing how much equipment has to go into this mechanical room, they, they give know. us a closet, but they don't really know no. how much space it takes. And we run into this problem all the time. Now, is that more the architect or the... Yeah, you, I guess that could be the architect, the architect giving the mechanical engineer such I think a, it's both because <clears throat> the mechanical engineer is going to start specking out all the I-beams or LVLs that are going to get in your way to park something. They're going to almost force you where... You've got a house that's so big and you don't know exactly where you can park the mechanical you know, area. And then all of a sudden you have to go underneath certain things, which is going to be a problematic later on when you have to renovate your basement. Guys, I, I mm-hmm. really wanted to ask some more questions about uh, green ways of heating and cooling houses. What kind of green ways? I think I'm going to have to bring you guys back and yeah. <laughs> continue this conversation. What kind of green ways? Well, there's a but lot of like... Solar ex- and... No, um, solar doesn't really work. No, they they have they have these canopies that over the summer you can grow. I I don't believe in growing plants on sides of houses on bricks and so on, but I do believe that you can grow ivy or or plants over top of canopies that are basically clear during the winter so that the light can come inside and heat and Who, during the summer who's portuguese now <laughs> <laughs> no no but, but what i'm saying is you're what cool, are you putting a grapevine during the through? summer you're cooling your house like are there green ways yeah, that you guys a know a green that? roof you guys have you guys done that like well no a green roof cools your house if you make a flat roof and make it a green roof wasn't it, your Rondale project a green roof? No, it wasn't. No, no but something, something they issue. would do. Like, no, that's they, a whole other that's conversation. Else. Is there yeah. something that you can do to your home that can make it greener and healthier, fresher, like uh, more energy efficient? Is there anything that you guys know of that it's a product out there? Uh, HRVs are becoming much more energy efficient. Not really. That comes back to the building envelope and how much uh, heat you're letting in, how much cooling, and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah. 
it comes back to the building envelope, which makes your homes that much airtight, which then goes back to our HRV conversation. But yeah, I think that's all the know, questions, I'll, man. I'll have to think about that one, Carlito. I'll get back to you. That's all the questions, Carlito. You got any more questions? I do, we'll but I get to, I no, can tell you by gotta the, wrap it up, man. By, by the way, Manny just got a pair of new glasses just recently, <laughs> and, yeah, and he tried good. to look over at me like, a, "Oh, you, you look so funny. I love it." Because I got to see you now. Look, where the fuck is Carlito now? Hey, are you gonna drive your motorcycle with those? No. Oh, wait. I have to, I think. Maybe. It's I'm not contact sure. time, uh, buddy. Fuck that, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's it. That's all the questions. That's more than enough HVAC questions for you guys. We yeah, covered I a lot. So. I don't know all what right. else there is to cover. Send all your hate mail to Carlito. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we want to do a quick shout out to Mark at Skylux for letting us use his little area here. This is our Skylux, home. Skylux, man. Home. Yeah. yeah. So we love it. And we want to thank you very much, Tyler, for coming by and doing this podcast. Thank you very much, Andrew, for being a part of the podcast. I know this was a little bit of a scheduling nightmare to get you guys out here, but thank you so much. Lots of valuable information. We'll put it together and then we'll post it and you guys will probably get more work and get a fifth van. Oh, yeah. hang, on, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Oh. Two, two things. Just What's two that? fast Just two. things. What's that? Uh, first, I love the Snicker shirt. I know, have the exact eh? same one. I've got the I same, the exact one. same one. I don't man. even have nice. that. I love that sweater, by the way. Uh, um, and two, what is your guy's handle? It's on Instagram. It's dot underscore HVAC underscore systems. That's correct. Yeah. See, even I know that. Is yeah. there is there a company phone number? Because there's the guys old school like myself. I like business cards and I like phones. So I like to create a relationship. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's my number. Your number? <laughs> if you want to give it up? 416-526-0666. And wow. then what's that's a lot of sixes. That's a lot of sixes. And then what's the uh, the URL? It's uh, stodhvacsystems.ca. Instagram? Yeah. Instagram we already did. Sorry. Yeah. Where was I? <laughs> <laughs> I must have been cooling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Really appreciate it. Carlito, get us out of here. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks man. Thanks so much. A lot of stuff about HVAC. Everything to do with heating, venting, AC, air conditioning. Boilers. 416, baby, baby, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,